Welcome back. And as promised, TRP is back and we're ready to get after it. So first and foremost, I'm actually gonna skip the this day in history for the first time in a long time, even though this is the first the role player in a long time. We're gonna skip it altogether uh, because we have some pressing content that we have to discuss. First up, we gotta talk about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens knocking off the Patriots. This was a game in which the Patriots came in undefeated. They looked like their defense was literally unstoppable. And to me, Lamar Jackson didn't, he played great. He played great, 17 for 23 for, you know, like 150 plus yards and a touchdown. He ran for two touchdowns as well. I think the big thing for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in this for this one was his ability to not allow the Patriots to get those momentum changing plays. He only was sacked one time for a loss of one yard. That was it. I think the fact that they couldn't get a sack, they couldn't get a turnover was huge because the one time that they did turn the ball over with Mark Ingram, that's when the tide started turning for the Patriots. But Lamar Jackson shut it up real quick. Also, the punt return, the muff punt return. I think that the Ravens played a flawless game, which is or as close to flawless as you can against the Patriots. That's why they won. They actually beat them by 17 points, which makes my early season pick of the Ravens playing the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Pretty good right about now. What are your thoughts? What did you like about the Ravens? Would you call it a blowout? A mini blowout. Yeah, mini blowout. You know, the first thing I will say is I do kind of like your idea now of the Ravens playing the Patriots in the NFC Championship game solely because, you know, we've seen the blueprint of beating Kansas City is running the ball, keeping away from him. Their defense has gotten more healthy, though. But, I mean, I'd say it's those are the only three. I mean, you can't rule the Texans out that much, but I don't know. Without Watt, it's going to be a little more tough. But, anyway... Honestly, the way I look at the game is the Ravens, you know, their first two drives, they went down the field and they just absolutely killed the clock. You know, Lamar got that big fourth down pass in there as well that kind of kept the drive going to Hurst. And, you know, I really just felt like Belichick, you know, he just waved the white flag. He said, you know what, whatever, y'all are going to win this game. Let's see what Lamar can do. Let's see what kind of plays they're going to run. And I'll see you guys in January. You know, I think that's really what it was. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're eight and you're now eight and one like the Patriots, Odds are you're probably going to be able with the easy, I mean, I don't know how, but the NFL gave them the easiest schedule in the NFL pretty much. So, I mean, when you play that easy of a schedule, odds are the Super Bowl is going to run through New England. And they pretty much said, you know, we'll see you then. We'll see what we'll see what we can do against Lamar then. And I feel like that, you know, like we saw with the Chargers last year, the Chargers had a much better game plan for Lamar the second time around. So I feel like, you That's know, the true. Patriots, the Patriots are going to do something. Let's put it that way. You know, they're Bell Belichick learned a lot that game. He saw what he saw what he needed to see out of Lamar Jackson, this offense, and he's going to have something dialed up for them later on in the playoffs. I think the Patriots, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly in this, especially because Let's face it, Mark Ingram's not going for 15 for 115 again against the Patriots. If they play again, that's not happening. Uh, You're also going to see a Patriots team that is just going to get better. I mean, this was Muhammad's new second game. He had 10 receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. They really like him in that system. We didn't even see a single trick play out of Edelman and Sanu, who are like the trick play goats at their position in this league today. And... I'm not obviously the Patriots don't have any type of panic in them. Uh, I think that that's part of the reason that they are constantly playing in Super Bowls. They don't hit the panic button ever. 
I don't think they're worried about it. They're one of those teams that learns and moves forward. I am, however, as far as who's going to win that AFC, the AFC has some teams that could potentially do it and knock out the Patriots. It just depends on, you know, any given night. Obviously, with the NFL, you have the Ravens possibility. I also, you didn't mention, you mentioned Texans and Kansas City. You didn't mention the Bills, and hear me out on this one. If the Patriots beat the Bills again, which they probably will, that means they will have to beat a team, a good Bills team. This Bills team is good. Uh, They actually have Devin Singletary, who's getting healthier and playing pretty well. He wasn't in that first game uh, against them. If they beat them twice in the regular season, it is a very hard task task to beat a good team three times in this league. That's the only reason why I think that that might be like a huge upset. But do you think the Bills can win on the road in round one? Because you know the Patriots can have the box. See, that's yeah, the thing. That's the, that's the toughest part. Yeah. But the, nonetheless, it is hard to beat a team three times. I'm not, I don't think the Patriots have anything to worry about. I think it's pretty, pretty sure of the fact that they're going to the AFC Championship bearing something drastic obviously and you know also too another you know reason why i feel like that that the patriots gave up in that game more so is like they didn't go for the ball go for it on fourth down and one on the goal line that's the most like unpatriots yeah. thing i've ever seen like almost i feel like almost 90 percent of the teams in the nfl would have gone for it and you even saw when they put up on the screen on a sunday night football you know they put up on the screen like with the percentages of the yeah. patriots winning the game if they went for that their percentages of winning the game were so much higher if they went for that rather than taking the three and you know even if you come out of that situation with no points it really wasn't even the end of the world you know so here's another here's another little tidbit the ravens actually did go it and go for it on a fourth Mm -hmm. and like three Mm -hmm. i think and converted it i think that was the play in which lamar jackson escaped a sack uh jamie collins was coming off the right side and he just kind of got around him yeah i think that the ravens Harbaugh is not afraid to make decisions that can haunt him. I think that he's had enough success in this league to where he just doesn't care anymore. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why the Ravens will probably end up playing them in the uh, AFC Championship. But to move forward from this conversation just a little bit, let's talk about this redrafting of the 2018 quarterback class. Lamar Jackson's looking like a Michael Vick. I mean, he really does. Uh, He looks like the second coming of Michael Vick. Except for this time, we get a dude that is playing a lot like Michael Vick, but the entire offensive system has been fashioned and shaped for his play style. So I think that, obviously, he might not be the best pro-style you know, quarterback in yeah. your typical pro-style offense, but... If you are willing to take that risk and draft him, let's say with the 32nd overall pick and behind Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen, then shape your offense around him. It could work out well for you. So how are we going to redraft this class? How do you want to do it? Um... Go ahead and say what you were going to say. Well, the one thing I was going to say is even though, you know, like you just said, there some guys may not be the most like pro style guys. I feel like it's more so putting a system around them. If you notice, like a lot of the teams in the NFL that you'll see have success, it's because they introduce like a new offensive concept or, you know, a new style of offense, whether it was 
the um, whether it was the West Coast offense, you know, whether it was the RPO, you know, when it, those teams they you know they introduce these new style of offenses, and it takes teams you know a while to adjust to it. If the biggest thing you know in sports is innovating and getting better mm-hmm. and changing the game, you know, it's the same way in business too. It's the same thing, and when you innovate and change things, a little it's, econ talk, a little yeah, business you know, talk. a little busy, yeah, comparing things a little bit. You know, we're, we're sports going, podcast, dude. yeah, let's just run it. Yeah, you know, we're going next level on this podcast, guys. We're going next level, but you know, I really think that we'll see a lot of these teams, you know, in the drafts the next couple of years, look at these kind of quarterbacks, you know, and be like, wow, I wonder if we can get this guy in here and do the same thing they're doing with Lamar Jackson, you know, because we've seen the success with it. Everybody wants somebody does something successful. There's always going to be somebody who's going to dissect it and try to make it successful in another way. As much as I hate Chris Collinsworth, I will say he kept on saying it like, oh, this opens the door for teams to pick a player like Lamar Jackson and opens the door for these type of players. I think he's right in that sense because you see how successful it is when you're willing to take a step outside the box and do something a little bit different with your offense. So I think that it's definitely going to change the way the quarterback position is drafted a little bit with Lamar Jackson's success because here's the perfect way to segue. With the first overall pick, the Browns selected Baker Mayfield. Then it was the third overall to the Jets for Sam Darnold, who was seeing ghost against the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. I think he still is. I think he's still. He's shaken up over that Patriots game. Like, he has been playing significantly worse mm-hmm. as that game has been sitting in his rearview mirror. Then you had Josh Allen with the seventh pick at the Bills. I think that's honestly the best value pick out of the – minus, of course, Lamar Jackson. I think that's the second best value pick right there. Then you had Josh Rosen, who was a joke, uh, still is kind of a joke. He's gotten benched a couple times, got traded away. Yeah, I would say Rosen is a starting quarterback in the league, and, you know, is being regarded as like a, you know, a big, I'd say, I'd say Rosen's about done in the league, honestly. Like, I, I think he'll finish it. He'll probably bounce around a little bit as a backup, but we'll never, I don't think we'll ever really see much of anything from Rosen. Yeah, he's kind of, I mean, I, I do feel for him because he had a play in that dumpster fire that is Miami. So we, we might say, I, I won't. You know, yeah, I won't count them out just yet. But then after Rosen, we had 22 picks in between Rosen at 10 and Lamar Jackson at 32nd. Then way down the list, we had Mason Rudolph at 76. And then we had, of course, Luke Falk, uh, who stepped in for the Jets for a little while. I think that the best quarterbacks that are going to come out of this draft right now, it's going to go... Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, who, oddly enough, like we said about how this will change the way the draft has gone yeah. about with quarterbacks, those are two very mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Allen, you know, he's got the big arms, too. He's big. He can get outside the pocket, make plays with his legs. Yeah, he loved, like last year, he led the Bills in rushing and passing. But, you know, I I definitely agree with you on that. I still think Baker has a – like, I think Josh Allen's going to be the best of all of them, but I still think Baker has a ton of potential. They just I need think, a line. I think Baker is right there at the three spot. The reason I'm putting him at the three spot is because we have seen quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield do more with less. I mean, let's face it. I obviously don't want to compare the guy to Russell Wilson because that's unfair. Russell Wilson is an absolute freak. MVP candidate. Russell Wilson is playing for the Seattle Seahawks right now, and he has the third highest pressure rating of any quarterback in the league, and he just does not care. I think that 
Baker Mayfield came into this season with expectations of breaking out and becoming this superstar when really he should have set the expectation as like, I'm going to build off my last season. I'm going to do what I need to. And I'm going to work with what is given to me. Instead of just going out there and trying, he just has been trying too hard to make things happen to me. And I think that for right now, he's in my third spot right there with uh, Mason Rudolph. And I think after that, it's going to be, you know, Darnold. Um, Darnold has not looked good. Uh, He was turnover prone in college football and at USC. And we thought, oh, Sam Darnold has a great arm. He's great mechanics. Prototypical size. He's turnover prone, dude. He likes to throw turnovers. I mean, I don't know. Would you put him in the? Would you put him in the? See, my thing with Darnold and Baker is, I feel like they just they haven't really the handled the handed the keys to success. You know, they weren't put in the right situation. The coaching staff, like Adam Gase, was a horrible hire. I think Freddie Kitchens is a decent offensive play caller. I just think he can't coach both sides of the ball you know so the way I look at it is that these guys they weren't put in situations where they can be successful and when you're a rookie quarterback it's tough to go into a situation where you can't really be successful and still be successful you know so I feel like that if anything that you you have to put him you know in the if you gotta you basically have to if you're gonna hand him the keys to the car you know you gotta have the car oiled up you gotta have the tires rotated and balanced and everything you know you can't hand him a car it's about to fall apart yeah. and that's pretty much what the Browns are like Freddie Kitchens there's so many games I've watched where I'm like why isn't he calling a timeout why isn't he doing this that and you know it's not necessarily that it's his fault it's just that they're not put in the right situation you know it's he, he Freddie Kitchens can't be worrying about what the offense is doing and worrying about how he needs to manage the game as well i will say with uh baker mayfield and sam darnold i'm putting them behind josh allen and i think that they probably i think josh allen has an opportunity to be better than anybody in the class uh just simply because i think he's gonna have more of he's gonna have personally i feel like he's gonna have more longevity than Mm -hmm. lamar jackson because lamar jackson while he is Definitely could be the best of this class by the end of when it's all said and done. Not many quarterbacks like him last for very long just simply because you're playing in a league that is very tough to play in like that for long periods of time. I just think that Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, that their story is yet to be told because their teams are in situations that they really can't do anything. Like, I didn't want to compare him to Russell Wilson because he's a second-year guy. Russell Wilson has learned how to adapt to an offensive line that sucks. And Russell Wilson's got great coaching around him. Yeah, and he has a great coach around him. Yeah, and obviously, like, this Browns team should be playing much better than they're playing because of their offensive weapons. They have Chubb. They have Odell. They have Jarvis Landry. They should be playing better. I think that it's a testament to – or, well, it can be held against – Baker Mayfield and Kitchens. They're, I think, both kind of in the wrong. I don't know what's going on with Sam Darnold. Adam Gase is not a competent head coach. Yes, not but at all. not at all. But at the same time, he has made some piss poor throws. I, I mean, he gave a couple turnovers to the Patriots, like pretty much like handed the ball off to him. So it's hard to say. Definitely think that it goes just to get it out of the just to air it out, I think it goes Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield right now. And we'll move forward for 
that particular conversation, but one more piece just for fun. Lamar Jackson over Michael Vick, would you do it? Absolutely not. I, I mean, agree with you. I, I want to see a lot more out of Lamar first. I feel like if Vic played in this day and age of the of the uh, almost said the NBA of the NFL, that uh, honestly I feel like that he might be the greatest player we've ever seen play yeah. if he was in this era. Yeah, Lamar Jackson with an Andy Reid offense in his prime would have been insane. Uh, the Mora offense was just not built for Michael Vick, not at all. Uh, he had a cannon and he was accurate at long ball thrower, yes, but it just wasn't built for him. Uh, there was no design runs. And that league in time, the quarterback was not protected like they are today. I think, I mean, seriously, Michael Vick is probably Lamar Jackson with an absolute cannon. Oh, yeah. And, so, and you know, yeah, Vick, you know, he could make – him and Jackson, though, are similar. You know, they're both they willing are. to stand there in the pocket and throw it. I just think Vick had a little bit stronger arm. Obviously, I feel like Jackson, Jackson's a little more physical of a runner. Vick's a little more elusive as a runner. But yeah, you know, Vic, Vic obviously with Mora was not put in a great situation there, and then unfortunately the whole dog fighting thing happened. So you know, Vic obviously wasn't in as good of a situation to thrive as that uh, Jackson is in. I agree with you. Uh, to move forward for the particular quarterback conversation, I like that. I like that redrafting of the 2018 class just because that was the stacked class for quarterbacks coming into it. There was a lot of talent on the board. I think that was the most quarterbacks taken. In a long time within the top 10. Uh, Rosen rounding it off right there. So, we're going to stay on topic with the NFL. I want to kind of figure out, for one, we had the Patriots lose their first game. They were undefeated. Now we have one last undefeated team. That is, of course, the San Francisco 49ers who I think are the team to beat in the NFC. That's pretty obvious to me. However, what team do you think is the true contenders? Uh, I know that as much as people don't want to hear this from me, I think that my Cowboys actually do have a shot. I think they're getting better and better. I think they're a team that's going to get better and better, especially with how Zeke is kind of one of those players that progressively gets just more dominant throughout the season. Same thing with the offensive line. They weren't healthy. They're healthy now. If they can stay healthy, which is a pretty big if, if that offensive line can stay healthy, the Dallas Cowboys are true contenders. But I'm not going to go too far into that one just because I know nobody wants to hear me talk about that. I hardly even want to hear myself talk about it because I'm probably just going to be let down and all said and done. Well, see, my thing for you with the Cowboys is they're going to have to be healthy on that offensive line. When they get to the playoffs, if they yeah, can protect Dax Prescott, give them the time to throw the ball, they should be fine. Also, they're going to they're going to need some sort of home field advantage because they're not going to be able to go into a hostile environment in the cold, you know, like a Green Bay. I mean, we've seen Rodgers be their kryptonite so many times. Like, see, that's it. Like, you know, they have to set themselves up for success. See, I feel like Dallas can win in the first round, but the second round, I don't know as much about that. We have a tough, we have a, a tough road because we lost to the Packers and the Saints when our offensive line was not healthy. But here's the thing with the 49ers, if we are playing the 49ers, or the Saints for that matter, or even Green Bay, it is paramount that our offensive line is healthy because Bosa is going to kill us. The Saints defensive line is going to kill us without Tyron Smith. Without a healthy O-line as a whole, Leo Collins was out for a little while. Without their offensive line, they are not a contender. I will say this. 
about the Cowboys. I do think their defense is getting better. Uh, they had some shifting parts. Uh, we got Michael Bennett recently, who had two sacks this weekend against the Giants. We have uh, Robert Quinn getting you know acclimated to being there. He's been playing pretty well. And we also have Demarcus Lawrence, who has been playing a little bit and until this last weekend. Um, he had a sack and a half, I believe. But I think that the Cowboys can do it simply because their defense and their offensive line I'm not going to get too far into that. I think the two true contenders right now, and you can argue this all you want, the true contenders are the Seahawks and the Saints. And the reason I say the Seahawks is because you cannot ever count a player like Russell Wilson out. I think at this point, Pete Carroll has a resume of winning. Uh, He has pretty good offensive weapons that did lose Disley, but I mean, Russell Wilson cannot be count out. I think that he can keep his team in any single game against any single opponent. And then the Saints, Saints defense is nasty. And to get Drew Brees back and Alvin Kamara back, Alvin Kamara's missed what now? Two, three games in a row? I think he missed two in a row. Two in a row. Latavius Murray stepped in, did his business. Now you got Alvin Kamara back and you're still seven and one. You've won six games in a row. As many people that thought that the Saints were going to fall off once they lost Drew Brees, they have not even thought about it. I mean, seriously, they haven't even thought about it. The only game in which they lost was the game in which they lost Drew Brees in the middle of the game and didn't know how to switch their game plan and hand the game plan over to Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, you know, honestly, I kind of agree with you with the Saints as much as it pains me to say as a Falcons fan. Like you said, you know, nobody beat the Saints where they had Bridgewater in there. They went on the road to Seattle, beat them. See, some of it I would argue is them, you know, creating turnovers and it being fortunate. But at the same time, when you create turnovers the way Saints do, is it really fortunate? You know, the Saints, they're mm-hmm. co- Sean Payton to me. See, I feel like to me there's a coaching hierarchy. Belichick tops everyone. Then after that, it's like Pete Carroll, you know, Sean Shanahan. Payton, yeah, Kyle Shanahan. McVay. McVay. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys that are right there in the <clears> pack <throat> together. But I feel like that McVay, I mean, not McVay. Sean Payton is as close to anyone as being up there with Belichick. I really feel like that he is a special team here at the Saints team. And, you know, I expect them to be down after the way they lost the last couple of years. If anything, I feel like they've rallied together and come together more as a team. And I think this might be, yeah, this might be the closest Saints team that we've seen. And also might be one of the closest teams in the NFL in terms of camaraderie. Yeah, let's put it this way. Uh, the 49ers losing Quan Alexander, I think, is a big loss. But at the mm-hmm. same time, as long as that pass rush doesn't lose a step, that's all that matters. He, Alexander is their second best tackler. He's really good against the run. But, I mean, they get to the quarterback. And getting the quarterback is huge. At the end of the day, for me, that's what it's going to be if they can continue to get the quarterback. And So I don't think 49ers will miss a step. Honestly, though, gun to my head, I'm picking the Saints to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. There's just no way I can go against this team that's getting Drew Brees back now. I mean, like you said, they got that two-headed monster between Murray and Kamara. Mm-hmm. They kind of lack a little bit of a deep threat. Like, you would have liked to see him get a guy like Josh Gordon. But realistically, I don't think any of that matters. I mean, I feel like I feel like the, 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 Saints will, the Saints will somehow make it out of the NFC. they bring back Des Bryant. Hey, we talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would be an awful move. But I think that, you know, the 49ers, they've been every bit of impressive. I, you can't fault them on anything that they've done. That Carolina game really, like, sold me on them. Because Carolina is no slouch of a team. Like, they're a good team. I really do think that the 49ers have a shot to actually go to the Super Bowl. This would be an absolutely crazy turnaround for them. I just don't think it's this year. Uh, I think that 
there's too many, I guess, veterans in front of them. I know you talked about Shanahan having that playoff experience with the Falcons. Didn't turn out very well for the Falcons or Shanahan. I know Shut you up. don't like that, but I think that the Saints are definitely going to be the team. You can never count Aaron Rodgers out uh, 100%. I will say if the Cowboys do have to play the Saints in the playoffs. I don't think home field is going to matter. Uh, I think that it's going to be a close game either way because the Cowboys and the Saints have this weird thing to where every time they come in, no matter how high-powered their offense is, it's always a low-scoring game. It's always – since the dawn of time, since like the DeMarcus Ware age, it has always been low-scoring. It was low-scoring today or this season in that 12-10 to game. I think that that game is going to be a defensive game. Uh, If they play each other, I think that that's just how it's going to be. Are, you, are we completely discounting the Vikings? No chance? Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins splits between him playing at mm-hmm. 1 o'clock and any other time are too bad. I want to say this, though, as well about the Packers. The Packers are good, but the thing is, the, we've seen the Packers get pushed around. We saw the Chargers push them around. We saw the Eagles push them around. I mean, what's you know? I feel like the Saints, they'll come in there and just push them around again. Same thing with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Those teams love to run the ball. They're going to come out there, push them around, and move the ball up and down the field on. They do have Aaron Rodgers, but, I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do a lot and still come up short many times. I just don't see any way it doesn't happen again. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna count the Packers out because this is the best defense he's had in a while. And somebody in the Vikings locker room needs to continue to piss off Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a guy that plays so much better when he's pissed off. So I think that that needs to continue to happen. Uh other than that, I'm not I'm not even completely sold on the Vikings yet. So We'll keep an eye on it. This is a midseason, so it's obviously a long season to go. Yeah, you know, a lot of big injuries. A lot of things can happen. A lot of teams can still get better. So, a whole lot of things can happen. And speaking of a lot of things that can happen, a literal train wreck of a back end of this AFC conference, uh, we're going to have God knows what happened in that sixth seed right there. I think that the Texans. And Kansas City kind of, you know, they're going to be right there. Um, and that 6-3 and three mark, uh, they're, I think, the best teams out of the first four. I think that the Bills actually have a chance to continue to win out because their schedule is easy. It's the yeah. same as the Patriots. They play the Dolphins. They play the Jets. Just an easy schedule, which sucks for everybody else. But the Texans have a tough schedule, and the Chiefs have a pretty tough schedule as well. So I think that... They're the two teams that are going to stay in that, you know, four and five spot. Yeah. But this six spot is wide open. You have the Colts, five and three. They just lost to the four and four Steelers, which are right behind them. You also have the Oakland Raiders, who are four and four as well. They're playing pretty well. And you also, again, have the Los Angeles Chargers, who are four and five and just beat the Packers and have been looking pretty good since the return of Hunter Henry. Obviously, for some. God knows what reason you have the Tennessee Titans at four and five as well. Uh, they always seem to be right there, four and five. Like they seem to not get eliminated until like week sixteen every year on some like crazy. Yeah, you well, you know they're a tough defensive team. When you're yeah. a tough defensive team, you're gonna win a lot of games you shouldn't because you're gonna create those turnovers and they can run the football. So Titans are by no means are an easy team to beat. But it, but honestly, if the Titans had an elite quarterback or had like a top fifteen quarter, like even if they had, like I feel like Hill's on top fifteen. <laughs> 
I don't know where I'd stand <laughs> on my quarterback hierarchy, but definitely in the in the back half of the twenties, that's for sure. So you know, that's just the way things are for the Titans. I also think that the Steelers actually have a chance as long as Mason Rudolph stays healthy and continues to, ve- to develop. Yeah, it just pisses me off that Big Ben got hurt because it ruined all my Steelers predictions. But. Yeah, did it makes my it made my prediction look phenomenal. Although I did pick the Browns to be in that six seed, so I'm hey, pretty stupid right, for that. Too, um, so. Yeah, yeah, well, whatever. You also have the Jacksonville Jaguars who are four and five, and Nick Foles is coming back. Gardner Minshew did a pretty good job. I think that uh, Nick Foles is actually going to do better than Gardner Minshew. Not to say Gardner Minshew did great. I think he's the quarterback for the future there. But I think Nick Foles having a veteran presence right there is going to help them a lot. I don't know. I personally think that, you know, just based on general, just your general, just historical nature of that sixth spot right now I feel like the Steelers might sneak in uh depends on if you know Jacoby Brissett misses some time I'm not completely sold on the Colts yet not yet they're they're losing uh T.Y. Hilton they are dealing with an injury at quarterback they could lose some games slip off and maybe not be able to get back onto the horse and you know ride this thing out I don't know I think it's between the Steelers Colts and the Chargers honestly I think the Chargers actually have a good shot uh, especially if they continue to play the way they play let's face it the Cardinals could easily be six and four yeah uh, well, also, on the know, goal line well the Chargers they finally found their run game and I mean yeah. it's like I always say about these teams it's same thing with Kansas City they get they get a hundred yard rusher three games in a row and Kansas City suddenly looks good you know it's and no matter how good your quarterback is, you can have Pat Mahomes, you can have Brett Favre, you can have Tom Brady. If you don't have a run game to go with them and keep teams honest, it's not going to work. I agree with you. I'm not sure who comes out of it, but I think it's going to be the Colts, Steelers, or the Chargers. I think the Raiders, Jaguars, and Titans don't have it in them. Uh, I won't count the Jaguars out, but I think the Raiders are. Just, I think it's probably the Colts, you know, Frank Reich, yeah, when he I was with that, when he defense. Was, yeah. Frank Reich didn't get enough credit, honestly, for that Super Bowl they had in Philadelphia. So, you know, I, I just feel like Frank Reich, as long as that, honestly, even with Brian Hoyer, I mean, Brian Hoyer and Brissett are pretty much the same quarterback. I really feel like Reich can get it done with them there. Um, what, what do we got next on tap? Are we going to NBA? Uh, we can do the midseason MVP for NFL, but I actually let's just save it. I think it's pretty obvious that it's going to be either one of three players: uh, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, or Lamar Jackson. C Mac, th- or Christian McCaffrey. That's a good point. Christian McCaffrey is nice as fuck. Yeah, that's yeah, how he is. You know, if, if the Panthers are able to get in the playoffs, it'd be tough for me to not bet for or to not uh, vote for C Mac if I were. Who would be the first running back since Adrian Peterson? I think that. He has to hit a mark that hasn't been hit to get it. Yeah, no, he definitely will. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's probably going to have a 1,000 and a 1,000. He's probably going to have, you know, 15 or He's got to go over 2,000, 100%. Yeah, he's got to go over 2,000 all-purpose yards, and I think he needs to get close to that 20-touchdown marker. If he's over that 20-touchdown mark, it's got to be him. If he's got 20 touchdowns and 2,000 yards, yes. He's got my pick. He's got my vote. Let's move on from the NFL. We have eight more games or eight more long weeks of the NFL, technically nine, mm-hmm. but God knows what might happen there. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting run. Always looking forward to that. Let's move on to some piss poor news uh, straight out of Atlanta. What, 
What's new? Piss poor news out of Atlanta. Yeah, man, it was just devastating. Yeah, John Collins, uh, the NBA has suspended the star power forward, young rising superstar John Collins for the Atlanta Hawks, uh, averaging you know twenty and ten pretty much throughout his young career. Is suspended for twenty five games, and twenty five games is a lot for the NBA. That's a ton of games to miss, especially when you are, you know. A key cog in a potential playoff run, a, pl- a potential playoff push. Yes, we beat the Spurs in his first game out, but I'm seriously nervous about how this is going to affect the team going forward. I did talk to you yesterday. Thank God we got Jabari Parker. It's yeah. almost like they foresaw this coming. They were like, yo, man, use these HGH hormones. <laughs> we'll cover you with Jabari Parker. And hey, if just anything, they told him to use it so we can tank another year. That's a good point, too. But we can just get swole. Uh Get your body right, and then we'll use Jabari Parker and uh, wear his body out while you just get healthy and not make a paycheck at all. <laughs> but I don't know. I think that it, it really sucks. It sucks because not only do we do the Hawks lose him, I say we, but not only do the Hawks lose John Collins for 25 games, it kind of taints his come up a little bit. I mean, it sucks to say that, but it does. And that's kind of what pisses me off the most about it. Yeah. See, the thing I don't like about it the most is it's key right now for this young team, you know, to kind of the young core to mesh and everything, you know, when you got, you got Red Velvet, you got Trey, you got Collins, you got Herter. I mean, I already said Herter, you got Hunter and Cam Reddish, you know, and you got all those guys, you want to see them mesh and you want to see that young core come together and learn to play together. So I really feel like not having Collins on the floor hurts that. But honestly, I have expectations of this team to make the playoffs. I still do. And honestly, last night I was at the game. That was inspiring to me because, you know, we could have easily gone in that game and just said, screw it, we don't have him and give up. But we didn't, man. We rallied together as a team. We came back when we got down big in the second half and we ended up winning that game outright. And that's what you want to see about these young teams. They don't quit and they haven't quit. One of my favorite parts about that game are two things. One, we stopped a player that we never stopped. And LaMarcus Aldridge, we, mm-hmm. well, not, I don't want to say we stopped him, but we held him to a lower standard than he is used to playing against yeah. us. Second of all, the play out of our rookies was phenomenal. You had Cam Reddish really step up in a big way. He's actually been playing fantastic. You also had DeAndre Hunter, who just was playing phenomenal. And he missed shots that he normally will make once yeah. he gets comfortable. And I think he had, what, he had 16 last night? I believe so. And, you know, the thing I love seeing the most out of it, though, you know, Trey played awful in the first half. I think he had one point at halftime. But in the second half, Trey said, you know what? I got one point. We're going to keep playing. And Trey finished the game with 29 points. He went off in the second yeah, he half. went off in the fourth quarter specifically. Yeah. Um, and he had uh, – how many assists was it last night? 13 assists. You know, he had seven of those at halftime. And he was like, okay, if I'm not going to score, there's plenty other ways I can impact the game. And that's exactly what he did in the Hawks. I agree board. with you. And the highest plus minus was actually went to uh, DeAndre Hunter and Bruno Fernando. Yep. I think that having Bruno Fernando was a great pickup by the Hawks. The Hawks, I was worried about this John Collins thing, but the Hawks have actually built their team around the fact that they can actually lose a player like John Collins. They cannot lose Trey Young. No, absolutely absolutely not. He is the catalyst to everything that happens there. But they can actually lose John Collins and still win ballgames. They might not win at such a high rate. But they can keep themselves in contention long enough until John Collins can get back and start playing with his team again. I'm cautiously optimistic about the Hawks and their chance to get 
to the playoffs. Uh, it would be the first time they've been in the playoffs since what, 2016? 2017. Since 16, yeah. 16, when we had Schroeder, Millsap, yeah, and all yeah, them. So there is a lot to be happy about. I mean, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter both playing in the starting lineup. Uh, we still haven't got a completely healthy uh, Kevin Herter back. I don't think. I don't think he's playing 100%. Nah, and honestly, him and Reddish, you know, I expect them to be a little rusty and to take a little bit of time, you know, to get used to being back. Because, you know, when you miss time like that, there's just, you know, it, it takes a little while. Like, I've even, like me, obviously, I don't play basketball at the level they do, but I'm, you know, I play basketball a pretty decent amount. And you take, like, a, you when miss you a couple of games, you know, you miss five, six days, you get back in there, it probably takes four or five days. Yeah, when you, know? you mix, when you miss five or six days, it puts you 10 days behind in any yeah. sport. So I think that. This is a team that can be okay with this. I think that they're good enough defensively. They're going to have, you know, Bembry play great defense at all times. I think that he's going to. you're going to see Jabari Parker's minutes boost. Mm-hmm. Jabari Parker was the second leading scorer last night at 19 points. He had eight rebounds as well and two assists. That is actually something similar to what John Collins would post in this game. So while they do lose a lot in John Collins, I think that they can withstand the storm, and I hope that they can weather it for long enough until you can get back and they can get back onto this playoff push. So, cautiously optimistic about the Hawks. Not the end of the world. Although it pissed me off a good amount to see that headline. Uh, it sucked. It was like midday, too. Like, that's always the worst yeah. to see, like, a midday, like, 1 p.m. headline. Yeah, and I knew I was going to the game, too, so that was even more frustrating for me because I want to see John out there. The next thing, we're going to have a little bit of fun with this one since that was some super somber, sad shit. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's move on. Who... Do you have in a full-on fight between Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns? You know, Embiid's probably got – I mean, uh, Towns probably has the reach, but I feel like Embiid's scrappy. You know, like he'll hit you in the nuts. He'll Yeah, he's get, like a nut grabber and like pulls him off or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like I got to take Embiid in that. He's just got more meat on his – you know, he's the bigger guy. Obviously, Towns got the reach. He's bigger. At the end of the day, I feel like – because, you know, Towns, we saw him throw some hands and he didn't lay any of those punches on him. So, I feel like it's got to be Embiid. I feel like Carl Anthony Towns is like a big mama's boy, but I also feel like Joel Embiid is like – a fraud. Like, I think he's. I think he, as a basketball player, is like hard in the paint, like baller, like he'll bully you around, kind of like a Shaq type center. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he can throw punches, man. He's kind of like Shaq in the sense that, like, he falls really like clumsy. He's like a clumsy dude. Yeah. So I really don't know. I think I saw, like, swear to God, I think Odd Sharp dropped a uh, odds uh-huh. on the money line. And I'm pretty sure Cat was like a plus like 135. And I'm taking that, dude, for the payout. Yeah. I mean, with never seeing any of these guys brawl, got to go with the dog. So I'm going I'm going with the dog, dude, especially if it's at home. I'm definitely taking Cat. I think at that money line, I'm taking Cat. If it's yeah. an even money line, I might swing towards Embiid. I thought the funniest part of the whole fight was when Ben Simmons, ben Simmons got on him and, like, and you could see him tap the floor like he was tapping out of it. I thought that was honestly the funniest you got to, part. Of the whole hey, fight. dude, here's a here's a hot take. Right. I think Ben Simmons could whip both of their ass. That's I agree. crazy hot take. Yeah, you know I why? agree with you on that. He's way he's got that on. he's got that Australian <laughs> flair to him, dude. Those Australians are crazy. MFers, dude. Yeah, he's cra- He's the crazy Australian. Dude, those Australians are nuts, man. For real. Ben Simmons probably better at fighting than he is at shooting threes. <laughs> probably so, dude. He probably easily hit more punches, of course. But, hey, don't hate on Ben Simmons. 
He got one. How many threes is, is he up to? You know? Has he hit a three this season? Yeah, bro. He hit one in... I thought that was in the preseason he hit it when they all went crazy. I don't think he's hit any in the regular season. I thought he hit one in the regular season. No, that was in the preseason. Well, I'll be damned. You're correct. He hasn't even attempted one. So, we're still waiting on that ever-elusive Ben Simmons three-pointer. But I still think that he would probably whip both of their ass. I'd probably... A hot take. I mean, obviously... One punch on, on by either of them could really do some damage. Oh, yeah. So it just depends on the quickness, whether he can dodge or not. We're going to move. We're, honestly, we went too far on that one anyway. So the next the next part of our NBA discussion is open discussion about whatever. And I like this because I have a couple things to say uh, of the rookies. We were kind of off. All right. I think you, that you give your statements and I'll react to them. The rookies we were off. We saw Tyler Harrow go snap off. Zion Williamson is hurt. I think that right now the leaders on the rookie of the year front are Pascal for the Warriors. Mm -hmm. I think that John Morant, of course, is up there. I even think that uh, RJ Barrett's been playing pretty well. As he has. I mean, for all 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 things considered, he's been playing pretty well. Um, I'm not. I would probably lean towards saying that Ja Morant's going to, right now, is going to win it. Because I feel like Pascal might go up and down, kind of fluctuate. But I think Ja Morant's going to be pretty steady. I think he's going to be consistent. I think he's just that type of basketball player that's going to slowly, he's going to slowly put up like a triple-double. near Damn near triple-double. Yeah, you're like, damn, he has a triple-double. And it's like the fourth quarter and you're like, What? I feel like he's gonna have a season a lot like Trey Young did last year. You know, Trey Young was good at the beginning of the season, but you really saw him make the jump later on in the season. And I feel like it's gonna be the exact same thing for John Moran. He'll make the jump later on in the season. I could see it. I mean, what what do you who do you think is gonna be the one for the rookies? Um, honestly, I picked John Moran before the season started to win Rookie of the Year, so I'm definitely sticking with John Moran to win Rookie of the Year. I feel like that he's as safe as bet at anybody. I mean, if you look at his minutes wise, he's only logged over 30 minutes one time this season. Remember that? Uh, do you remember my tweet thread when yeah. I first started the TRP account? Uh huh. Where I was like the case for John Morant over Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. You know what I should have just put? I was like, John Morant doesn't jump 46 inches into the air at 280 pounds. That should have been the only thing that I should have said. Yeah. Because I'm going to be honest with you. If the Pelicans start losing games, which which they are, I don't know how fast and how many games we see out of him. We might get a Zion or a Ben Simmons in the form of Zion Williamson next year. They might shut him down. I could know. I definitely see it. I, that's been my thing on Zion was how cautious they'd be with him this season. Like we've already seen him so far with the first injury. I expect them to have him definitely on, you know, a snap count and us not to really see him as much as we want to this season. So what are your, what are, what are you thinking as far as, uh, I mean, like who's going to be the, uh, I guess the rookie of the year, and the person that's competing with the rookie of the year spot. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with John Morant and I guess probably Tyler Harrow. I mean, he's seems like he won't back down. Miami's got him in a nice little six man role, you know, where he's just coming off the bench and getting straight up buckets. I feel like it's between them two. It's gonna be one of the. What about Kendrick Nunn? Kendrick Nunn has been going off for the Miami Heat. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Kendrick 
Nunn actually spent last season in the G League. Yep. Uh, undrafted rookie. Led college basketball in scoring two years before that. Really just an absolute baller. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of is like a... Uh, kind of has like one of these like stories that is one of those like undoubtedly awesome stories to where like everybody loves him. Like he's not going to have somebody not like him mm-hmm. until he really gives people a reason to. So right now through seven games in just 30 minutes per game, he's averaging 18.3 points. Three assists, uh, two rebounds, two steals on only two turnovers. He's also shooting 41% from three and 46% from the field. I think he's a dark horse candidate to win MVP or MVP, rookie of the year, uh, especially be, especially because he's one of those guys that isn't the flashy pick for rookie of the year. And I think that because of that, He's not going to have the pressure of some of these other players like Ja Morant. Um, another person that you can't count out is P.J. Washington for the Charlotte Hornets. I think he's played better than most of expected. I think he'll fade it. I think he though. will fade, though. I think him and the Charlotte Hornets as a whole will fade. And let's not forget R.J. Barrett, who's also averaging 18.2 points with six rebounds. And he's shooting well from the field. Honestly, he's shooting better than I thought he was ever going to shoot from three. He's shooting forty or 42% from three through the first seven games, which, to be honest, is mind-blowing. The craziest part about R.J. Barrett's stat line, though, is that he's shooting 40% from free throw line. So that's not good. I think that he needs to step it up from the three, or free throw line. I think that R.J. Barrett actually has a good chance, though. He's going to get so many opportunities. Especially on the shitty New York Knicks roster, but I mean, what are your thoughts? Is is it one hundred percent between Harrow and John Moran for you? Yeah, I'd put those two, and then I guess none at three, and then you know probably Barrett or someone like that at four, just because you have to take kind of Zion out of the equation a little bit since he's 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 going to have missed too much time. Another, you know, remember when we were doing our uh, mock draft, and I said that uh, one of the dark horse candidates, like one of the dark horse. Picks that is going to slide in the lottery uh-huh. was Ryu, Ryu Hachimura, uh-huh. and he's played phenomenal. With hey, the I, I always loved Hachimura's game. I just felt like that he's like going to take a year or two, kind of like you know Giannis did for it all to click and come together. But when it does, he's going to be scary. I mean, sure. he's averaging eighteen and seven for the Washington. Yeah, Bulls. no, he's playing well. See, and I also didn't think he'd get the starter minutes like he has, but he's been a lot more NBA ready than I was well, expecting. The reason I, I think he's getting those starter minutes is because he's a stretch. He's like a stretch big man. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, he's a stretch big man. I think that Washington, we knew, speaking of, since we're on this little open discussion roundtable thing, that, that fucking Rockets-Wizards game, the 159-158 game. <laughs> that was the craziest game I've ever watched. What the hell was that? If that would have went to overtime, we would have got 200 points. Oh, easily. No, and the craziest part about it is the Rockets were down like 12, 13 points with like three minutes left. And then they just, and then Harden and Westbrook, Westbrook had a triple double. Harden was, Harden missed a free throw at the end of the game that would have given him 60 points. I, yeah, I think that, I think that with the Wizards, they like to get out and run and they like to speed up the pace in an NBA, in a league that's already a fast paced league. I think that they like to speed up the pace. So, we got a whole long season ahead of us uh, for the NBA. I cannot wait. 
there are so many interesting things happening in the league. I think this is the most. I'm actually probably gonna write a little piece on it and post it. I like it. I like the TRP. It. Uh, I know you, I talked about the news with you. Potential news. Working on it. Uh, I'll keep you updated if it happens, TRP listeners. But I think I'm gonna write a little article on whether or why I think this is the most balanced the NBA has ever been across any year, any decade. I think this is the most balanced it's ever been. I think it's a general toss-up among like six teams who could actually win the NBA Finals. It is all over the place. Uh, it all depends on the health. It all depends on you know what's going on on any given day. I love it, dude. The NBA is probably the most interesting league next to the NFL. Uh, they're here and there, and the NFL officiating and rules and everything involved with the NFL is just kind of annoying at this point. So, NBA, man, it's on the come up. Oh, yeah. It's forever on the come up. Oh, it yeah. won't ever stop being on the come up. Oh, for sure, for sure. But you know what it is on the come up is the college football playoff. Yeah. So, college football playoff rankings dropped for the first time. Mm-hmm. Odd. Uh, look, I understand exactly why they did it. Basically, the way they look they, at they it, they want to hype that game up. Yeah, one hundred percent. They want to hype up Alabama versus they want to yeah Alabama LSU. More LSU. importantly, they want to hype up Ohio State. Penn State. Yeah, exactly. And I personally can't blame them at all. You know, I think it's smarter for them to do it that way because at the end of the day, it's all going to play its way out. You know, if once that both that both those teams have to lose, Clemson as long as. They stay undefeated. They will get right back in there, and everything will be right. Look, Clemson on a neutral – I saw yesterday, Clemson on neutral field would be a 10.5-point favorite against Penn State. That is the sole reason why they did it was to make sure, you know, that these games are bigger and just because they know everything's going to even – you know, if Clemson – if it came down to it and they were picking the final four teams, there's no way they would have picked Penn State over Clemson. But because, that you know, everything's going to even itself out and everything's, you know, going to work itself out, that's more so why. Exactly. And I think – I actually like this. Because of the fact that I think that this is the most, I feel like this is going to be the year in which they get it correct. Every year, everybody looks at them sideways because they leave a Big Ten team out or something like that. Bearing a crazy upset, the winner of Ohio State versus Penn State is going to be in the college football playoff. I think that putting them at one and four just makes that game of the utmost importance. Same thing with Alabama, LSU. The winner of this game will go on to play Georgia, and the winner of that game will be in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And even if Georgia wins that game, there's still a chance for that team to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and I actually don't think that we'll get a one-loss SEC team in there, except unless it's the conference winner. Just because if you look at Oregon, honestly, if Oregon's able to go undefeated here, I mean, you got Utah who's only one loss right now. Let's say that a one-loss Oregon team meets a one-loss Utah team. I could easily see that one-loss Oregon team slipping in there. Not as much Utah. Meeting because Utah they because they're that eighth seed. Yeah, because well, Utah, you they know, were ranked eighth in the yeah, well, you know, Utah has that bad loss, though, against USC. And yeah. I feel like that would hold them out over a one-loss SEC team. But Oregon, you know, they played Auburn well. Really what or- what needs to happen is that Oregon needs at Auburn to beat Georgia or Alabama. That's what they need. If I'm Oregon, going to if- laugh hysterically if Oregon gets in because I was completely BSing on my college football playoff before the uh-huh. whole season started. And I was talking with Shaw on the podcast, and I was like, 
think Oregon's going to get that four seed. And I like went on for like five minutes. And yeah. like, I'm just kidding, dude. It's no, no chance in hell it's going to happen. And you might need to go re-edit that episode then. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just cut it out. Yeah. Repost. Act like it never happened. But yeah, it's it's God knows what might happen between now and the upcoming three to four weeks. I think that they did put four teams in the top four that are going to play themselves out of it naturally. Uh, with Penn State playing out or Ohio State, that one's obvious. One of those, whoever loses that team is 100% out. Or that game is 100% oh, yeah. out. That's obvious. As far as any other, you know, situation goes, this SEC is always going to be a interesting, it's always going to be controversial for the college football playoffs because unless you are picking between, you know, a one loss LSU and an undefeated Alabama if they beat Georgia. I mean, that's the only way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That you can put two teams in there. I, I, I mean, even if Georgia beats Alabama and – I mean, what happens if LSU ah, – man, it's a it's a tough situation. If LSU beats Alabama uh-huh. and then Georgia beats LSU, then, what do you do with a bunch of one-loss SEC teams? I think that it would be Oregon – Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. No, no Alabama or LSU. God, you are gonna. That is going to piss off some Alabama and LSU fans, especially because oh, yeah. Georgia lost to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna always want to point towards that. And with, I mean, obviously, I can't blame them. So it's a weird situation dude truly especially if that happens and you have a bunch of one loss SEC teams that's gonna just suck uh, it's just gonna stir up so much controversy so we'll see I don't know yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of college football still to be played here in these last four weeks and a lot it's still gonna figure need to figure itself out so it's gonna be fun well we're actually coming up on the hour long mark I knew it was gonna be a long one in my first one back since like mid-september yep uh, I think it's Long overdue for me. Uh, TRP is back. We're reloaded. We're ready to go. I'm going to try to release a couple episodes a week. Um, later on today, we'll talk a bit more about college basketball because we didn't even get that one in. And we'll also talk a little bit more about some other topics in the NBA and NFL. But until then, do follow the account at TRP underscore sports. I'm going to be posting this one on my Instagram. Might actually go ahead and start with a whole entire Instagram page for TRP. I don't Love know that. what that one will be yet, but I'm happy about it, dude. I, you've seen some of the graphics that I've designed. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the graphics. Yeah, dude. I think it's going to be a hit. I think that we're about to really take off with it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I know a lot of people have been getting on my ass about dropping an episode. So, here you assholes go. Um, I'm doing this on my own time, not your time. So, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Continue to follow. Continue <laughs> to listen. You guys are my heart and soul. Just kidding. Not really. But um, yeah, I don't got anything else. I think I'm done. I'm done with a classic old peace.